Hello and welcome to Wi-Fi Optional, the weekly tech show where we talk tech so you don't have to. This is episode 25, recorded Tuesday, May 17th, 2016. I'm Rukshan Wajiratna and with me is Mr. Jason Wadakot, as always, through the interwebs. Uh, good evening, Jason. Good evening, sir. Hello to everybody. How are you today? I'm doing well and... Uh, you know, as always, everything was. Yeah, the camera's not switching. It seems like everything was working perfect while we were we were on here. What for an hour or so? Yep. Talking about the show, everything was switching fine, and now we start going live, and cameras aren't switching. So it's uh, I'm I'm the manual camera operator for tonight. So, <laughs> cameraman Joe, go get him. There's always something with uh with we use we use Google for the show um, Hangouts and then. Uh, uh, Google Docs, or but uh, I don't know. Lately, it's been kind of a hit and miss thing. Yeah, I've been working on a, a few different options to make things better, but uh, there's a few steps involved. So hopefully, we can get there and have some more production value to the show. But line, yeah. All right. So uh, let's not keep people waiting. Let's roll on with. Our first article today is uh, Apple uh, reporting of a potential iTunes bug that deletes songs and then says uh, later in a different article that uh, the downloads might be gone completely shortly here. Uh, last week, uh, brought on sporadic reports of iTunes users losing playlists or even entire music libraries from iTunes and their computers. Uh, the issue seemingly linked with Apple Music, and in most cases, uh, the users lost their entire collection. Told iMore.com. Uh, in an extremely small number of cases, users have reported that music files have uh, that were saved on their computer were removed without their permission. We're taking parts uh, very seriously, and we know how important music uh, is to our customers, and our teams are focused on identifying the cause. Uh, we've not been able to reproduce this uh, issue. However, we are releasing update to iTunes uh, next week, which includes additional safeguards. Uh, in an early... Uh, Related story, uh, the digitalmusicnews.com uh, is reporting that Apple plans to completely terminate, quote unquote, uh, downloaded music from iTunes within a year uh, to, or excuse me, within a two year timetable. Uh, sources say uh, from the article that Apple is uh, to their uh, belief that paid music downloads are going. Uh, to be simply music in the near future. Uh, it has been predicted uh, that this segment will decline to uh, a very uh, sparse 600 million uh, in revenue by 2019, but this is also down from the 3.9 billion with a B that it was back in 2012. Uh, the key piece of this, as I said before, is decline, uh, the decline in download music is the rise in streaming services like Apple's own Apple Music. Uh, the latest projections have streaming revenues for Apple surpassing the downloads high water market by 2020. Um, so an interesting article in two sets. Uh, one is they say, hey, we know there's an issue. We can't find a problem, but we're releasing a patch, which is kind of counterintuitive. And two is, you know, is this all linked to them slowly wanting to get rid of these downloads? So how are they going to release this patch to fix a problem that they don't know is a, is a problem? I, I, have, I have a feeling that they either they're not really telling us what they know or they may have a hunch of what could be happening and they're going to go oh hey maybe we need to maybe we need to 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 patch this but uh uh before the show when you um 
you know, you brought uh, you brought along this article, and I was reading through the forums, and it's just, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of uh, of comments. There's there's the very pro on one side, you have the very pro Apple crowd, the the the, the fans, and then on the other side, they're going, well, it's it, it's it's iTunes, you know, deal with it type thing. Um, so there's a very fine divide. You have the, the, the two ends of the spectrum that are fighting. And then the, the second portion of the show, I, uh, the, the, the article, I should say, I am not actually surprised that they decided to do this. I have a feeling that this would have been something that Steve Jobs, some, but notorious for something, you know, coming up with something completely off the wall, um, you know, out of the box thinking. Uh, but to me, at least, getting rid of downloads, okay, fine, you know, that's where we need to go. But um, this goes hand in hand with a lot of other things. You can't stream if you, unless you have a, a fairly decent internet connection. And then so is this going to be another trigger for um, mobile operators like the, the Sprints, the AT&Ts, the Verizons, and the T-Mobiles in the world to go, hey, there's more data being produced. Here's another opportunity for us to start hitting the customers for, you know, unlimited data. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think that's what's held back the, the streaming service to this point is not everybody can stream all the time, every time. I think that's where downloads kind of have their, their own play. And, you know, things like Google Music where you can um, upload, you know, your own albums to the service and, and kind of have a mix of, of streaming and your own stuff um, is kind of where, where we've gone. But I I do believe that uh, I think you're, you're right with it. I think either this is... This, this is Apple saying, Hey, we, we know that eventually, um, you know, not net neutrality, but something in the sense where, you know, internet will be, you know, more accessible and, and cheaper, um, is down the line or be, um, Steve Jobs attitude of we'll just do what we want to do. And, you know, sometimes we we'll cut off our own arm to, to save a leg, but, uh, uh, I guess we'll see what happens here in the next coming years for this one. And also, um, you know, this might be a trigger for the the hardware manufacturers. You know, streaming is extremely taxing on the on the on the battery life of a of a device. So, you know, are we gonna is this kind of a a, a preemptive strike at five uh, G that supposedly has amazing battery life and and download speeds that that far surpasses what we have out now? So, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see where where things go. But I'm not surprised that Apple actually came out and out and said it. Um, Not at all. No. And then the next story, Alphabet unveils a program for carpooling via the app Waze, um, frame ties with Uber. Alphabet on Monday, Alphabet happens to be the parent company for Google, for Google uh, unveiled a pilot program that will enable several thousand San Francisco area workers to hitch rides to or from work with users of Alphabet's popular Waze navigation app. Riders will pay drivers 54 cents uh, for every mile, and Alphabet won't take a cut during the pilot. The program signals Alphabet is likely to use Waze as a way into the increasingly popular world of ride-sharing, pitting it more directly against Uber, the world's most valuable private venture capital-backed company which dominates ride-sharing in the U.S. Alphabet and Uber, Uber have been allies. Alphabet's Google Ventures invested $250 million in Uber, in 2013 and included prompts to book Uber rides in its Google Maps app. Alphabet Senior Vice President for Corporate Development David Drummond is on Uber's board. So it's kind of a kind of an interesting twist where uh, you know Google's got deep pockets. They really don't have a problem with investing money or money for that matter. Um, 
but it's an interesting twist where they go in and they invest all this money in Uber, and now they're going to go, oh, you know what? We're going to start our own. Uh, we're going to start our own product because we already have these these little component these uh, the the modules that they need, so to speak, to start the business. They've already got ways. Um, they've got maps, so they have the infrastructure built in. So we're just going to put we're going to put everything together, and we're going to come up with uh, our own product. So, yeah, I think that's an aspect, but it's also kind of a it's kind of a step back from Uber. I know a lot of the troubles Uber has is is with you know uh, the employees and the not employees and and all these other legality things involved. Where this is more of uh, kind of putting two people together, which is kind of what Uber is supposed to be in the first place. Um, and you know, the, the first thing I think of is this is I want to, I want to get hooked up in this service and then like be waiting at a street corner with like a bloody ax and be like, here's my 54 cents a mile. Like, give me, a, give me a ride to, <laughs> to Walmart <laughs> or something and see how this random person that shows up to pick me up for 54, 54 cents a mile, uh, you know, actually reacts to it. But, uh, um, in, in all seriousness, it, it's, uh, I think it's good. Um, you know, their purchase of, of, ways and, and things like that was kind of a an odd thing with their with their mapping speed but now that uh um you can kind of see where they're going with this it, it, it kind of makes sense to um you know not be maybe a direct competitor to uber but um a similar service more kind of how, how google operates I can also see um Google using the information that they get from all these rides um, that people take and they're going to data mine all that information and they're going to come up with, oh, hey, here's this new algorithm that we created that is going to tell you, um, you know, males in between the age of the 30 to, to 32 um, travel from here to here every Tuesday, something along those lines. And, you know, you don't have cars or whoever has cars, you know. Right, exactly. Normally, if Google does something, there's there's always some kind of a a marketing or a data mining back into that. But uh, uh, like you said, it's 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 certainly really cool to find out that you know Google's coming up with something like this. But um, I think one of the things that uh, uh, Uber, one of the reasons that they they are so good is they they filled a a, a niche void that uh, and and they did it really well and. Google actually has the computing backend behind it, so it's interesting how Google's gonna. It's interesting to see how Google's gonna come in and and they're gonna take on this this landscape and go. Okay, we're gonna come in with you know we're the 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 ten thousand pound gorilla. We're gonna come in and we're gonna let's let's shake things up. So, but we'll have to keep watching, see how uh, how it turns out. Exactly. Um, staying in the uh, the car mind frame here uh we have a story from tesla um it sounds like it's sending uh its owner's detailed logs after a yes after uh we, we've talked about before the mosses and things um they have a self-parking feature um and basically what happened is following a recent incident which a uh, tesla model s rammed into the back of a trailer resulting in a shattered windshield on the nearly seventy thousand dollar electric car the manufacturer and car owner are embroiled in a technology tussle to determine who is at fault. Uh, Tesla said the car owner, identified as Jared Overton of Utah, the car's summon feature, uh, which is beta testing, is not intended for use in public roads. Uh, Overton denied deploying the autonomous feature, uh, telling a local TV station that he merely exited the vehicle and started chatting with the passerby who admitted 
uh, who was admiring his flashy car. Uh, not so fast, said Tesla. The vehicle's behavior was uh, the result of the driver's own actions. It insisted in a May 6th letter to Overton listing explicit detail of the actions performed by the car. So the vehicle's logs confirmed that the automatic summon feature was initiated by a double press of the gear selector stock button, uh, shifting from drive to park and requesting the summon activation. The driver was alerted the summon activation and the audible chime and a pop message on the center touchscreen was displayed. At this time, the driver had the opportunity to cancel it. Uh, the action uh, on the center touchscreen, oh, excuse me, in the uh, I lost my spot. Cancel button was not clicked by the driver. Uh, the second, uh, in the next second, the brake pedal was was released, and two seconds later, the driver exited the vehicle. Three seconds after that, the driver's door was closed, and another three seconds later, uh, someone activated, actively uh, activated, persuade to the driver to double press the activation request. Approximately five minutes, sixteen seconds after the summon activated, the driver's side front door was opened again. So basically what this is saying is A, um, you know, so the B is apparently they can see what you're doing at all times. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to. It's it's that's Two things that come to mind. First, it's actually really great that they they can pull this information um, because if something were to happen and the driver was was unable to to, to respond or whatever the case may be, a tragic accident, uh, the fact that they do have a black box of sort um, within the vehicle is actually cool that you can you can pull the information and, and find out what's going on. But at the same time. It's also kind of creepy that it's kind of sitting there watching exactly what you do. And um, it's interesting. It, it, it certainly would be interesting to see if there's anything in the fine print when you buy a vehicle that says, hey, we're going to capture uh, the last 20 hours of, of usage of the vehicle, and this is what we're going we're gonna to do with it. Now, if they're going to use that information to, to enhance or if the vehicle is going to use that information and then run it through an algorithm and go, oh, th- this is how this person drives. The, the, I am going to adapt myself based on that. That's something different. But if they're going to, um, you know, turn around and, and use it against the driver or, or something like in this case where obviously it comes down to, you know, a, a matter of litigation. Um, but the other thing is, so who is, who's at fault if, if something like this happens, you know, is it the, is it Tesla that made the car with, with, uh, because of, of faulty programming? Is it the, uh, the car owner or, uh, is it the, you know, who, who pays the bill? And uh, I don't know if the insurance companies are, are, are ready or if they actually have a clause behind this. Well, I, I think the, the answer to your first question has got to be in their EULA of, of some, you know, of you taking ownership of the car or something or whatever terms of service that, you know, this is a, A, this feature specifically is, is a beta feature. You know, you shouldn't be using it in public. And B, um, you know, that, you know, anything that you use in the automatic side of things with the car is, you know, under your, you know, adult supervision, let's say. <laughs> so, so in the end, I think the car person, you know, cause Tesla can't be there. Tesla can't be, you know, on top of everything. Um, so I think it has to fall on the, on the ownership. But, uh, the interesting thing is the way that he described it is, you know, this passerby, I want to look at his flashy car. What I'm guessing happened is, you know, he tried to show the passerby the flashy, flashy feature and it just went south. And now he's trying to save himself a buck by blaming it on Tesla. 
Yeah, and uh, I I'm not too well. I was, I don't own a Tesla, and I don't know if you do, Jason. But um, the, uh, the I have three of them feature. actually. Okay, <laughs> I figure. Um, the the summon feature from from the videos that I've watched and the and the information that I've read, it heavily relies on the sensors around the vehicle. Like you can actually push the summon button. Um, while the car is actually in the garage, and it will actually open up the garage door and then back your vehicle. So obviously there's some kind of sensor on the back of it that, or not some kind, there, there's the sensor on the back of the vehicle obviously detects when the garage door is open. So that, that, that to me, while this is backing up, was did those sensors not function that it hit something? Or uh, maybe those sensors get automatically disabled after the garage door gets it gets open. Uh, regardless, it's it's still a beta feature, so um, it, it'd be interesting to see if they if they fine tune it uh, for the public release. So we'll keep watching. Um, from uh, ground transportation to air transportation, FAA tests FBI drone detection system at JFK Airport. Uh, in an effort to avoid collisions and other drone-related incidents, the Federal Aviation Administration recently tested an FBI drone detection system at New York's JFK International Airport. Uh, five different rotocraft and fixed-wing UAS unmanned aerial—I uh, think it's—I oh, gotta check—participated uh, in the evaluations, and about 40 separate tests took place. The FAA said in a statement, "The agency didn't elaborate how the tests went, but several other government organizations were on hand, including Department of Homeland Security and uh, the Justice Department." The FAA is required by law to conduct such tests in order to come up with an adequate drone detection system that will work on all types of airports. Earlier this year, it teamed with CACI International and DHS at the Atlantic City International Airport to test a solution that employs radio frequency sensors at strategic locations around an airport in high prominent locations. When the sensors detect frequencies unmanned aircraft typically use, it triangulates a signal and determines the location of both the UAS and the operator, according to the FAA. Uh, sounds like they're using um, audio triangulation. I know they use a variant of this in some uh, uh, crime, heavy crime uh, neighborhoods where they use uh, audio sensors to, to detect gunshots. And if somebody fires a gun, um, they'll use multiple sensors to see which one heard it the loudest and, and at, at what uh, decibel level. And then they can use that to kind of triangulate it. Sounds like they're using something very similar to that. But I know... Um, there is some push um, from the FAA because of a potential, uh, uh, you know, people are just crazy. Some people are just flying them right by main airports, even though when, before you fly, uh, you're supposed to look at a map and there's a lot of no-fly zones, but some people are just crazy. Yeah, and, and uh, UAS is unmanned aerial systems. Aerial so systems. Anything, yes. Anything that controls uh, Dr. Basie was talking about. So uh, that being said, yeah, it, it, that's the problem here is but the thing is it really hasn't been that many um, cases of people actually causing damage. You know, there was that one where they said a drone hit it, but they couldn't prove anything and, and they're a month back. And uh, But it just takes one, like you said, one crazy to really you know ruin it for everybody else. Um, and this is kind of cool. I, if I could uh, stop you for a second. That one that you just talked about that happened last week, they said it, it was it was not real, it was false. Yeah, exactly. So it it, it, it seems like I, I'm two two ways in this. I completely agree where they're coming from. You know, I think this is something that need to be controlled. It's it's like um, 
trying to find an analogy that works for, but it's something that we don't, we didn't have 10 years. It just kind of jumped, flew onto the scene. And now all of a sudden it's everywhere. And I think it can cause a lot of damage. It hasn't yet. So I feel like they're just trying to find, it's almost in the San Bernardino case. This is a horrible analogy, but it's like where they're trying to find a reason to make legislation on things and make rules on things. But in the same sense, I think it's very important. Um, and I know a lot of drone manufacturers, big ones like DJI and stuff, you know, Chinese manufacturers are what are putting it in their firmware where you physically can't fly, you know, GPS wise in those areas, which will help. Um, but uh, you know, the first thing I picture with this is like a little mini, like missile silo in the middle of the, like the airport. And, you know, they, they track these things and then, like this door opens up and a little tiny missile flies out and like the takes the drone down. down. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's overall, I, I it, 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 like you said, it's, it's, you know, to stop the crazies out there from, you know, they might not be malicious, but they're just, you know, they're you know, too I'm, ignorant to, to know what they're doing. Yeah, I don't think there's, well, you never know. I guess most of them don't have any malicious intent, but I think it's just to them, it's a cool thing. Hey, look, I can, I'm, I'm flying this right next to a, a 747, but you know, you have to take into consideration the, the, the drastic things that, that could happen. If that thing gets sucked into an engine, it's just going to be ridiculous. Over, um, you know, and so. Exactly like you said, this is new, and um, they need to somehow curb it. So I, I guess they're gonna they're gonna use you know whatever method they can come up with to to try and narrow it down. Um, kind of staying on the same uh, the path we've been on with the automakers and, and drones and, and self flying and driving cars and things. Uh, um, automakers are about to uh, juice up the electrical systems to add tech. Um, so we kind of talked about it with battery life with uh, devices and phones and, and downloads and things, but now it looks like they're going to be upping uh, the voltage on some uh, electric systems and cars. So it's one thing to add more computers and sensors to cars to make them uh, fuel thrifty. Um, capable of driving themselves safer or even get systems. Another thing to figure out how to handle the extra juice those systems require. Uh, the challenge by the auto industry is likely to be answered by a new breed of beefed up electrical systems. Auto supplier uh, Delphi is uh, showing off its new 48 volt electric system, uh, saying the technology is crucial for complying with emissions and fuel economy standards and copying uh, with the growth, uh, growing electrical needs of today's vehicles, uh, coping, excuse me, uh, the electrical juice would be added in addition to the already 12 volt batteries in cars. Uh, vehicles are starting, uh, to get the 48 Bentley's, uh, new, uh, what is that word? I completely went blank on that one. These, I have one, and uh, which controls computers and mechanisms that give it remarkably smooth ride over almost any surface. So, long story short, is we're going from 12 volts in a car to now we're going to uh, 60 volts, uh, which is um, scary and also kind of cool in the same sense. It is, but uh, I can see where these guys are going. The new Chrysler 200, which is not a luxury car. Um, you know, it's just a, a, a mid-sized sedan for just a family vehicle. Um, the the new Chrysler 200, it's it's all drive-by-wire. Everything, including your shift, you just have a knob that you basically spin that goes from park to reverse to neutral to drive. That's it. There's no actual um, shift. So there's a lot of things that are consuming power. And then, you know. Servos and things yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. A lot of servos. And, um, you know, now you're adding backup cameras and you got navigation. You have, uh, you know, a lot of the newer vehicles have built-in uh, 3G or, or 4G, 
3G, 4G. Um, you have the new Kia K900 has electric actuators on the door. So if you, you can just, you don't have to even slam the door shut. You can just close your door and it, it sucks it in uh, on all four doors. And you have, uh, you know, climate control front and back now uh you have reclining seats every it's it's just next to impossible the the, the what they can pack in and the to me at least i saw a massive shift in in domestic automobiles um ever since the 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 bailout um the bailout happened and then they said you know what we're going to pack anything and everything we can into these vehicles so people will buy it because people are buying japanese vehicles because they had you know a lot of uh bells and whistles built into it and now they're packing just about anything you can you know leds leds at least are are not as as power consuming but there's a lot of like you said a lot of servos and then like the the bentega it has the, the 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 suspension automatically adjusts based on you know the ride and, and the the road conditions there's a lot happening in the back but like you said you're you're sitting on a on an electric chair basically and hope to god you don't uh, you know this thing doesn't short circuit or don't drive if 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 there's even 2 inches of water just stay the heck away <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's you know a, a analogy or a, a similar thing is you know we've talked about before. I have my three D printer that I got a few months back, and um, the original printer I have runs off normally twelve volt six amps. Um, now you add in um, extra, I think I have an extra fan of mine, and I have a heated bed, um, which is basically you know just dumping electricity at a at a aluminum plate, so it's killing a lot. Now I'm up to uh, a twelve volt twenty amp system, so it's something very similar like that. You know, the more the more and more features, electrical features you add on, you need to have more power. I mean, there's there's ways of uh, circuitry wise to boost that voltage, but in the end, then you cause heat, you cause power loss, you cause all that kind of stuff. So the only right. real way to do it is to have a, a more powerful system like this. Yeah, and uh, cars are getting smarter. They're getting more advanced, and then uh, you know, I'm I'm afraid to say that they're they're even getting to the point where um, you know the automobile owners, the car owners, can't really do anything with them anymore. You know, you almost have to take it into a service center even to do something simple like an oil change. You can't you can't do a lot anymore at home. I know a friend of mine just bought a a brand new Hyundai Genesis, uh, you, you can't do an oil change unless you take the skid plate off of the bottom to get to the, the, the drain plug. So, you know, stuff like that. But Cheat codes, up, down, up, down. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, our deep dive article today, Google's Chirp may try to drown out Amazon's Echo. Google is rumored to, rumored to develop a direct competitor to Amazon's Echo, codenamed Chirp. The device, which might resemble the OnHub router, uh, would incorporate its Google's new now incorporate its Google Now Voice Assistant technology. Google likely will launch the product later this year, according to a Wednesday Recode article uh, that debunked actually today's Recode article that debunked or actually last Wednesday. Sorry, um, reports uh, suggesting Google would launch a new system at its annual I/O developer conference uh, next week. Uh, Google likely will preview the system at I.O., uh, as well as reveal some of the emerging technology in its virtual reality market. Uh, Google's product likely will function as a a complementary hardware device to Google's search engine and other service-oriented apps, such as Maps, Business Solutions, the Charles King Principal Analyst at PondIT. Uh, If customers queried a Chirp device about pizza delivery, they might be steered towards Google Client's 
or restaurants highly rated by Google users, he told uh, Tech News World. Um, the Amazon Echo has actually been really cool. I know you and I, we talked about it, and uh, I've been seriously contemplating getting one because it's just because of the really cool functionality. Uh, but now Google comes out with this, and actually their I.O. developer conference is, is tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, the 18th, I believe. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they're going to come out with. And um, this actually, depending on the price point, of course, might be a little more attractive, at least to me, than the uh, uh, the uh, Amazon Echo because I am heavily invested in the Google ecosystem. So, you know, something like this would be, but I, I can seamlessly integrate it and it actually would work pretty sweet, I would think. Yeah, and that's and that's I think that's where Google wins on a lot of stuff. Even if they can get close to somebody else's tech, the fact that you don't have to jump a different system um, goes a long, long ways. I know I we, like you alluded to. We've talked about the the tap and the the dot and all the Echo things, and now that they have it even you know built into uh, the Fire Sticks and Fire TVs and with right. the with the voice remotes or your or your phone as the as a remote, but. Uh, um, the hard part about getting into that ecosystem is I don't use Amazon other than for prime shipping. And that's literally it. So I don't use them for cloud storage. I don't use them for you know payments. I don't use them for all this kind of stuff that I use app that I use Google for. So, uh, you know, the, like they said, you know, getting led to something that's, that's highly rated by Google. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of it where, you know, I'm used to getting that kind of stuff or that feedback from Google. And, and I, I think that's what will lead me to something like this, whether it's going to be as good as Amazon, uh, I don't see Google doing something half-assed, but you know, it, it they've you know, Amazon has been in the game for a little bit longer, and we'll have to see what happens. But it, it's, I think you could see this becoming more, um, you know, like as I alluded to with with them getting on the different Amazon devices now. But I see this being more prevalent or or more pervasive, I should say, um, in devices if Google um, has a service like this, on being kind of closed off with their own stuff. Yeah, the only thing that I that I kind of wonder, and again, this is all speculation until they actually reveal it, is um, Amazon knows how to integrate their products with their 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 storefront and everything else. You know, like the the Kindle, for example. You know, they they sold them fifty bucks a piece. I think they're still fifty bucks a piece, uh, but they are locked into the the Amazon ecosystem. Um, which still is uh, the the Kindle runs on on, on the Android backbone, but it's it's pretty well locked down. Um, but then Google, they have a, a, a fantastic product, but they seem to, even though they integrate really well, they sometimes do have little hiccups here and there. For example, you know, like like we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, Google Docs or and. and uh, works great, but there's there's always hiccups. And is it because they they have too many hands in the cookie jar? They're they they're they're trying to 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 potentially seamlessly integrate with too many things at the same time. Whereas Amazon just goes, we're going to focus on one thing and and one thing only, and we're just going to steamroll our way down. I don't know, but um, I I think exactly like you said, people use Amazon for one specific purpose. Um, that's you know they have a fantastic Amazon a, a Prime program. They they make millions of dollars and and I, I read an article that they even going to have their own uh, the Amazon branded vegetables that are they're they're, they're apparently growing them. So, um, but then Google does one thing great and that's search and then you know integrating their email and whatnot. So 
I don't know. I have a feeling that Google might might win out, even even if it doesn't, even if it does come up with a couple of hiccups. I'm more more um, leaning towards this, the the chirp product. Check it out, see how it weighs. And and you know you kind of hinted at it, but Google's always been it's it's this is very similar to the to the Google Apple you know fight the heyday of the of the iPhone series. You know it they both came out kind of offering the same thing. Google was more cutting edge. Google integrated with all of its stuff, but in the end, you know the reason why you know I personally and I know a lot of people use Apple products is because they just work all the time. Google has little quirks and bugs, but that's also why I like Google products is because they're cutting edge and you can do a lot of things with them. And I think this is kind of the same, you know, it's kind of parody with that, with that uh, um, comparison from, from years ago when the smartphones are coming out is you have, you know, Amazon doing it very well, um, but it's really locked down into kind of what you want. They want you to do and, and you have to be in their ecosystem to make it really, really worthwhile. Um, even down to Alexa doing, you know, only be able to access her own, uh, um, shopping list app. You know, that's right. the biggest thing. People love that. And, but the only thing is, is they don't want to use the, use the Amazon shopping app or the Alexa shopping app. So, um, on the head with that is, you know, I think it's going to, it's going to be that battle of the the cutting edge people and and the people that are already bought in the Google system with the people that want something that works better. You know, grandma and grandpa or or somebody less tech savvy is going to go with an Echo probably, but somebody that's a little more tech savvy or or uh, you know likes the more cutting edge stuff, the the Google the Chirp product. You know, this is all hearsay because we don't know what it's going to be yet, but um, would probably go with that just because of uh, it it being you know what it is and what normal Google products are. Hopefully they'll they'll come up with some cool apps that you can actually use it with. But we'll see. We'll find out tomorrow and, and enter their apps better than Amazon than right. Echo does. But yeah, well, we'll find out. Hopefully it'll be like I said, it'll be at a good price point, and then uh, you know maybe that might be something we can uh, we can try out at the show. Um, hopefully, exactly. so, but we'll keep you posted. But. Um, that's actually our show for today. Thank you very much for um, for watching, even though the cameras automatically did not switch. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you like the show. It should be right down right down here, I believe. Uh, just hit the subscribe button. Um, follow us on uh, uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter. We are um, at Wi-Fi Optional on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on your favorite uh, podcast app. Um, if you can find us on on there, rss dot uh, dot com is our is our feed address. If you have a question, comment, just want to say hi, um, or if you want to get involved in a live taping, shoot us an email info at wifioptional dot com or hit us up on Twitter. Um, like I said, at wifi optional. And uh, thanks to Purple Planet for the music, purple dash planet dot com. If you want to check them out, and. From myself, Rakshan, and Jason, who has uh, is screen sharing a uh, his new 3D printout, Mr. Darth Vader. I should say, Mr. Uh, Lord Vader himself. Have a good night.